Welcome, campers. Settle in tight, for tonight you're in for a fright. Welcome, campers, to Friday Night Fright. We are your hosts. I am Ryan. And I'm Jordan. Let's get into it. You ready, man? Friday Night Fright. It's the last one of the month. It is the last one. That means October is over. Yeah. Over, over, over. Let's take a moment to just thank our fellow month. How long is a moment of silence supposed to be? A moment. Well, there it was. (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i mean if you can like take a breath through there i feel like that's a moment okay Mm -hmm. yeah i would have to say that i observe many moments of silence throughout the day yes yes yeah but with intention or just unintentional no just uh okay just unintentional only if my kids are at school though because if they're at home there are no moments of silence that's fair you know how many times I've been like watching a scary movie or something and my daughter's room is shares a wall with the living room. Right. And I'll be sitting there watching, watching something spooky. And all of a sudden, like I know exactly she's rolling over in bed and banging her elbow on the wall. <laughs> and it, I fucking jump like six inches off the couch every time she does it. That's funny. She got that from my wife. She she doesn't stay in the same place for five minutes. While oh, I she's mean, sleeping. yeah, I don't either though. I'm a, I'm a very, I don't know, violent sleeper. Sometimes I sleep like the dead. Must be nice. I mean, it's not for very long, but while I'm asleep, like I will, cause I sleep like I'm in a coffin. Like I sleep flat on my back. That's also with weird. my, usually with my arms crossed. Yeah. Like literally my hands are like under my, under my arms right i like cross my arms across my chest and lay on my back superstar style and, yeah exactly <laughs> molly shannon yep. go watch it um but i'll fall asleep like that and i'll wake up like two three hours later because i wake up every two or three hours and i'm in the exact same position like at when least I'm like during I'm that sleeping. time you're getting some real good sleep then yeah yeah because my sleep's just shit i think i go into rim sleep and probably like Less than five minutes after my head's on the pillow. That's pretty nice. Yeah. I envy you for that. I do what what Burt Kreischer calls sleeping like a Mormon. (laughs) Like, I just lay down and my brain just shuts off. You can do it. You can do it. That's great. Yeah. Unfortunately, only one of my kids seemed to have gotten that ability from me. The rest of that, like, my 15-year-old in particular will, like, lay there for hours and hours before he's able to fall asleep. Yeah, I hate that. It's brutal. I don't do that so much these days. Yeah. But like the amount of sleep I get is just minimal. And then again, I'm moving around. 
waking up throughout the night. It's just also there's the whole fact that we're like now in our officially in our late thirties and we're at the beginning of stages of having to wake up to piss every two to three hours all night long. Yeah. So that's uh that's fair too. All you young bucks out there, you have that to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like especially if I've like had a few beers and then Sure. You know, then go to bed. Yeah. It's like I know I'm gonna be up at least three times that night. Yeah, it sucks. Sometimes more. Sometimes it's like on the hour every hour. Have you because you've you've been sick a few times in the last couple of years, like enough to take medicine. Yeah. Right. And like have you done the thing where when you take cold medicine and go to sleep, like take NyQuil and go to sleep, you actually sleep like six or seven hours? I mean, and you wake up and you're like, holy shit, I this get is what that this feels sometimes. like. Like every yeah. now and again, I'll get, I'll get like an actual night of sleep and I'm just like, wow. Yeah. But it's very, very rare. And when you get that, you wake up and you're like, oh my God, I feel so good. I don't know, but sometimes I'm still, <laughs> I still wake up like tired of shit. Yeah. Now, I recently took NyQuil and went to sleep and. I slept like eight and a half hours and I woke up and like, I swear to God, the sun coming through the window was (laughs) singing to me. Like it was the best I've felt in five years. Like, yeah, I haven't slept that. I haven't slept that long uninterrupted since probably since my early twenties. Like post drinking binge was probably the last time I slept for that long. That's fair. It's crazy. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's just getting old kind of sucks. It's one of the drawbacks. It's for definitely sure. a drawback. Yeah, I mean there are there are things for this. Obviously, there are people much older than us that are able to sleep like normal people. Yeah. So there's probably a solution. Yeah. Uh, Don't drink anything four hours before you go to bed. There is that. I mean that's yeah yeah, yeah. that's me because I mean I I also go to bed with a, a giant ass thing of water like this. Yep. And I'll drink that yep. throughout the night. And I'll wake up. I'll drink a lot of it. Go back to sleep. Yeah. It's a wonder why I have to get up and piss an hour later. (laughs) Right. I mean, there's also like meditation. There are those sleeping apps. There's stuff like that. I don't know. Contact at campfirepodcastnetwork.com if you have any suggestions on (laughs) how to better get sleep. How to get sustained rest. How to better get sleep. Yeah. How better to achieve. No, how how to better get sleep. I like that. (laughs) I want to better get sleep tonight. something very funny about how quick that rolled off your tongue i like that i just i like to better get sleep as much as possible yeah, yeah. i meant how better to get sleep nope. better get sleep <laughs> how to better get sleep we're gonna turn this into a, camp- a campfire psa on how to better get sleep <laughs> da, 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 da. the more you know exactly <laughs> oh boy so last that friday night friday- <laughs> sorry go ahead <laughs> sorry that reminds me a uh, bucket list guest for uh fireside chats is lavar burton dude that would be incredible right yeah i want to talk to him so bad his podcast lavar burton reads is one of my favorite fucking podcasts of all time have you listened to it at all i've not actually <laughs> dude <laughs> that's funny he just he reads like adult fiction short stories and there are so many good ones on there dude like nice and he just him reading to you is like yeah. perfect you know what i mean talk about talk about like relaxation apps his podcast basically is well there you go there's another if you can't sleep then go out and listen to that right that's how to better get sleep that's how to better get sleep <laughs> <laughs> now at the beginning right before he starts reading he does this thing where he goes take a deep breath 
let's begin. Nice. <sighs> Dude, every time he does it, I'm like, I take the deep breath with him and I'm just fucking locked in. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Sweet. I like it. Yeah. Highly recommend. And this is officially an open invitation to you, LeVar. Come on the show. I'd love to pick his brain about just, like, narrative. Yeah. Just about, like, what makes a story good, you know? I mean, yeah, I'm into it. I think it'd be cool. Yeah. Obviously, we grew up with him reading stories to us. Right. Reading Rainbow yeah. was my shit. And he was on the best Star Trek, Next Generation, right? Yeah. Obviously. Jordy was one of the coolest characters in the history of Star Trek. Jordy LaForge. 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 Yeah, I used to steal my mom's, like, snap-together hair barrette things and, like, put them <laughs> over my face and pretend to be him. You would. Yeah. I mean, we had the same name, you know? Right. LaForge. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's the name we share. Yep. So you want to hear some stories? You know what? No. All right. And that concludes... <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, we should, we're actually going to put out an we episode. We should have kept like that, that going until the end, and then let it die out, and then just be like, "Psych." <clears throat> Who's going first this this week? I'll go first. Okay. Okay. I'm psyched. Let's hear it. You ready to hear What's a story? story called? Yeah. Tonight I will be reading the Night of the Pumpkins. Good. It puts me in the mind of the Charlie Brown, the Great Pumpkin. That's exactly what I was going for. Yeah. All right. So if you will with me, take a deep breath. Release. Let's begin. The Night of the Pumpkins. Dark clouds loomed in the sky as the sun dipped below the horizon, casting long, eerie shadows across the town of Ravenbrook. Halloween had arrived, and with it, the unsettling chill that sent shivers down spines. Just outside the town lie the old Sterling Farm, a place frozen in time, the home of one of Ravenbrook's oldest members, Mr. Sterling. Every year, the Sterling family held a haunted corn maze and a pumpkin patch event that drew locals from far and wide. As twilight descended, the laughter of children and the chatter of their families echoed through the air. This year was no different, or so it seemed. The Sterling farm had earned its reputation as the spookiest attraction in town, a reputation that sent shivers of excitement down the spines of those who dared to enter the corn maze. So many shivers in this story already. There are a lot of shivers. Yeah. Both of them were pluralized, too, so who the fuck knows how many shivers, you know? I would say easily a thousand shivers. Easily. Let's see if we can get a thousand more. (laughs) Michael and Emma, siblings of Ravenbrook. Of Ravenbrook. Siblings of Ravenbrook. (laughs) I think they mean of Ravenbrook, like from Ravenbrook. Right, but I'm I'm assuming they're, like, a town over. (laughs) Both of them. Yeah stood at the entrance to the maze. Their eager faces lit up with anticipation. With the rush of adrenaline, they joined the line of people waiting to step into the labyrinth nightmare. I heard this year is going to be even scarier, Michael whispered, grinning with a mixture of fear and excitement. Of course it is. It's Halloween, Emma replied with a wink. I'm just going to say something else. Okay. I feel like we get a lot of the same type of character names. A lot of Emmas. Sarah's, Emma's, Michael's. It's true. Like, I don't know. It just seems like, uh, yeah, it seems like it seems to be a common reoccurring thing. There must be only so many people in Ravenbrook. These are common names in Ravenbrook. True. Yeah. They are. It was the year of, like, you know, the, the baby boom happened, and all these people were like, huh, Michael, Emma, Emma? Um, 
Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was a very popular television show around the time all these babies were born. There was, exactly. Yeah. The line moved swiftly, and soon they found themselves surrounded by towering cornstalks that seemed to stretch endlessly into the darkness. The flickering lanterns that lined the path cast eerie dancing shadows on the ground. As they ventured deeper into the maze, an unsettling sensation began to settle over them. The air grew colder, and the rustling of the corn leaves seemed to whisper sinister secrets. They weren't alone. Or at least, that's what it felt like. Unbeknownst to them, deeper in the cornfield, something unusual was happening in the pumpkin patch. As the night progressed, the pumpkins took on an eerie otherworldly glow. The moonlight, pale and full, bathed them in an unnatural radiance. And then, as if by some unholy magic, they began to grow bodies. Okay, before this, like, body growing yeah you had me had me thinking about the golden pumpkin in stardew valley oh yeah because there's a fall festival in the game and at the heart of the maze if you can find the heart of the maze the center you win the golden pumpkin ah and it's like this glowing golden pumpkin well cool you ever want it yeah oh yeah nice many many times oh yeah (laughs) many 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 yeah prove it i'm a stardew I'm a starting veteran over here, okay? Prove it. Veteran. Okay. All right. <laughs> you know, I'm still in the same spot that I was the last time we had actually talked about Stardew. <laughs> Ryan. Yeah, well. Put some hours in. I need to. Make Christmas. I need to. You do. You'll yep. love it if you actually play it long enough to get hooked. I don't doubt that. But it's the doing part. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I've played it so many times that as soon as I decide I'm going to replay it, I'm so excited that I'm hooked immediately. Well, see, I need to just have some extra free time and just do it. Yeah. You need to just like when One you have day. a day off coming up, when you have a day off coming up, you need to be like, I'm not doing anything this day except playing Stardew Valley. Yeah. See, my days off are com- basically just me editing all day. Yeah. Right <laughs> now. Know. That's going to slow down after. So, yeah, after this it month. sucks. I don't really get a day off. Yeah. I know what <sighs> you mean. Let's go. Let's venture back to Ravenbrook. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In the distance, the children's laughter turned into screams of terror. Michael and Emma exchanged alarmed glances, their footsteps quickening. Soon, the source of the commotion emerged from the depths of the corn maze. Pumpkins, now transformed into grotesque humanoid figures staggered toward them. Their misshapen, grinning faces sported long, razor-sharp claws, dripping with some dark, unknown substance. Blood. Their faces had claws? (laughs) Yes. Yes, they did. Yeah. Their faces have claws. All right. Just making sure that's clear. (laughs) Misshapen, grinning faces sported long, razor-sharp claws. Yeah. Yeah, so their faces have claws. Jesus. That's kind of scary, actually. Yeah, well, I wonder what's on their their limbs, what they're composed of. Probably smiles. Probably not rubber spatulas. (laughs) (laughs) The children weren't the only ones who had noticed the nightmarish transformation. Run! Michael shouted. 
his voice quivering with fear. Their screams resonated through the maze as they sprinted down the labyrinth paths, but the menacing pumpkin creatures pursued them relentlessly. The ground seemed to shift beneath their feet, as if the very earth was working against them. The shadows played tricks on their eyes, and the maze appeared to change its layout, confounding their very effort to escape. Other families lost in the maze had also become prey to the malevolent pumpkins. Blood-curdling cries echoed from all directions. The air was thick with the pungent scent of fear and desperation. Emma stumbled, falling to the ground, and Michael helped her to her feet. They could hear the hollow laughter of the pumpkin creatures closing in. Panic surged through them as they reached a dead end, the walls of corn pressing in on all sides. The pumpkins drew closer, their ghastly grins growing wider and their claws glistening in the eerie moonlight. The siblings huddled together, their hearts pounding in their chests, their breaths coming in frantic gasps. And then, just as the pumpkins were about to strike, another worldly spine-tingling howl pierced the night. The creatures froze in their tracks. Their malevolent grins replaced by expressions of terror. In the distance, beyond the maze, the silhouette of a figure emerged from the darkness. It was an old woman, her eyes glowing with an eerie light, with a voice that seemed to echo from the depths of the underworld. She chanted incantations that sent shockwaves through the corn maze. The pumpkin creatures writhed and convulsed, their bodies withering and contorting until they were reduced to nothing more than ordinary pumpkins. The nightmarish threat had been banished, but the terror remained etched in the memories of those who had witnessed the horror of the Sterling Farm. The night air hung heavy with dread as the survivors of the Sterling Farm corn maze debacle emerged, shaken and terrified. They exchanged nervous glances and whispered hushed words of disbelief. What had they just witnessed in the depths of the cornfield? The pumpkin patch had turned into a nightmare, and a mysterious old woman had saved them from its horrors. In the days that followed, Ravenbrook's townsfolk couldn't shake off the feeling that something was amiss. Halloween had come and gone, but the eerie events of Sterling Farm had left a lingering scar on their psyches. The old woman's name was mentioned in hushed tones, her identity shrouded in mystery. The once-bustling pumpkin patch, now eerily still, stood as a testament to the horrors that had unfolded. A chilling atmosphere surrounded the farm, and locals avoided it as if it was cursed. The Sterling family, reclusive and despondent, had withdrawn from the town's social life, leaving unanswered questions and uneasy glances in their wake. A week after the fateful Halloween night, Michael and Emma decided to venture back to Sterling Farm. They couldn't let the unanswered questions torment them any longer. As they approached the farm, the wind whispered through the cornstalks, as if warning them of what lie ahead. The pumpkin patch was empty, devoid of any pumpkins or menacing creatures. Instead, a thick mist clung to the ground, creating an eerie atmosphere. The siblings moved closer their breath visible in the cold air. They stumbled upon a weathered gravestone that had been concealed beneath the overgrown grass. Here lies Margaret Sterling, 
1805 to 1892, Emma read aloud. Do you think she had something to do with the pumpkins? Michael gazed at the tombstone, a shiver running down his spine. I don't know, but we need to find out. With determination, they entered the Sterling farmhouse, its windows long since broken and the paint peeling. Cobwebs clung to every surface and the air was thick with the musty scent of decay. In the corner of the living room, they found an ancient, leather-bound book. It was Margaret Sterling's diary. As they flipped through the yellowed pages, Margaret's words revealed a dark secret. She had been a witch who had dabbled in forbidden magics, seeking to protect her farm from a curse that had plagued her family for generations. In her desperation, she had performed a ritual on Halloween night that inadvertently brought the pumpkin creatures to life. The siblings shuddered as they read her account of the night she summoned the horrors from the pumpkin patch, hoping to control them. But instead, they turned on her family and the town. The diary entries detailed the incantations she had used to banish the malevolent creatures once and for all. Realization dawned on Michael and Emma. They had to retrace Margaret's steps, decipher her incantations, and perform the ritual themselves to seal the pumpkins away for eternity. They copied the incantations into a notebook and headed back to the pumpkin patch. The moon was full once again, casting an eerie light on the farm. The mist seemed to thicken, wrapping around the corn maze like a shroud. With the diary in hand, the siblings reached the heart of the pumpkin patch and began to chant the incantations. The ground beneath their feet trembled, and the wind howled in response. The pumpkins emerged from the earth, their clawed figures reaching out for the siblings. But as the incantations continued, their forms began to wither, their malevolence diminishing. The pumpkin creatures writhed in agony until one by one, they collapsed into ordinary pumpkins, their sinister grins fading away. With the ritual complete, the siblings watched in awe as the pumpkin patch returned to its peaceful, silent state. The eerie mist dissipated, leaving behind a sense of calm. The curse had been broken, and Margaret Sterling's ancient spell had succeeded in banishing the horrors she had unwittingly unleashed. I thought there weren't even pumpkins. They were back to normal. I know, but before that, when they first got there, there was mist on the ground that specifically said there weren't even pumpkins. Yeah, well, they also copied the incantation into a notebook, and then they said with in hand they had her diary. Yeah. So I don't know why. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of just inconsistencies here. A lot of jumps here. in logic yeah. here. Yeah. As Michael and Emma made their way back to town, the stars above seemed to twinkle with a sense of approval, as if the spirits of those who had suffered at the hands of the pumpkin creatures could finally rest in peace. They had uncovered the dark secret of the Sterling Farm and had put an end to the Halloween night horrors that had plagued their town. But even as they walked away, a sense of unease lingered. They couldn't help but wonder if there were other ancient, forbidden secrets hidden within the town of Ravenbrook, waiting to be unearthed on the next eerie Halloween night. The town held its secrets close, and the siblings knew that the true horrors might still be waiting in the shadows, ready to emerge when the time was right. Just as every other story has ended. Man. At least my stories. 
We know that Ravenbrook is chock full of weirdness. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so the living pumpkins definitely that's not gonna be the final mystery of Ravenbrook. No, no way. No way. I mean we had we've had vampires. We've had Lots of ghosties. Ghosts. We've had the beast of Bear Creek that was a town over from Ravenbrook. Yep. Um I like that the um the farm. What's the family name again? The Sterling Farm. Yeah, uh, the Sterling Farm is another point on our map. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it. So see, we're going to have to remember all this at some point. I'm going to have to just sit down and re-listen to all these episodes and write down any of any of the landmarks. Yeah. But, yeah. I think it'd be so cool. Like, yeah. It'd be so cool to just create this world. Yeah. I mean, we could just, you know, but like, I think it'd be awesome to publish like Tales from Ravenbrook. Campfire presents Tales from Ravenbrook. I'm into it. Eventually, this is going to be Campfire Tales of the Ravenbrook. <laughs> <laughs> you ready to hear another tale from Ravenbrook? I'm actually, I was born ready, I think. My name is Ryan, Good. born ready to hear other tales from Ravenbrook. Yeah, that's your yeah. whole name. That's my whole name. Don't wear it out. <laughs> when my mom used to like yell at me, she would say, Ryan, born ready, tales from, wait, whatever your name is called. And I'd be like, Mom, you know what it's called. Jeez, mom. And then she would sit me down and make me hear another tale from Ravenbrook. Yeah, because you were born ready. I was born ready. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. My punishment throughout life was just to hear (laughs) stories and tales of Ravenbrook because I was born ready. Yep. Yep. All right, enough of that. You ready? Yeah. What is your story called? The Dark Gift. The Dark Gift. That's right. Huh. Okay. The Dark Gift. The shelves of the tiny curiosity shop were crammed with oddities. Weathered books, antique figurines, and a collection of peculiar objects that seemed to hum with an eerie energy. Amber Holloway was Ravenbrook's resident struggling horror writer. Her mind always seemed to be spinning with tales of terror. But not lately. Lately, the ideas seemed to be fewer and farther between than ever. Tonight, she found herself stepping cautiously between the shelves of a shop that she had somehow never noticed before, her eyes darting from one item to the next, seeking the one thing that could ignite her dormant imagination. So we're dealing with a little writer's block here. I I mean, I I suffer it all the time. Yeah? Yeah. Mainly when writing music. Yeah. Songs and lyrics and stuff. That's fair. Yeah. In the dim light, a faint glimmer caught her eye. Nestled among dusty relics, a small, unassuming pendant rested on a crimson velvet cushion. It seemed to pulse with an inner glow, beckoning her closer. Her hand trembled as she reached out to touch it, feeling a jolt of energy race up her arm. Her heart pounded, and a whisper in her mind urged her to take it. Unbeknownst to her, the old shopkeeper watched her every move from behind a cluttered counter. He said nothing as she slipped the pendant into her pocket a smirk playing on her lips. The bell above the door chimed as she left, excitement bubbling in her chest. She felt as though she had just unlocked the gateway to a world of unfathomable horror. That night, Amber sat at her desk, the pendant lying before her, casting an otherworldly glow in the darkness. Her fingers traced the intricate carvings etched into its surface as she struggled to summon the darkness within her mind. 
Hours passed with nothing but the haunting tick-tock of the old grandfather clock in the corner. Frustration clawed at her insides as she realized the pendant did nothing. She cursed herself for her foolishness. As she started to rise from her chair, a low groan echoed through the room, and a chill gripped her spine. A whisper seemed to slip from the shadows, its voice a spectral murmur. You seek inspiration, my dear? Let us provide it. Her pulse quickened, and she whirled around to find nothing but the inky blackness of her office. Trembling, she turned back to the pendant, now pulsating with a dark energy that she had not noticed before. With a deep breath, she reached out and touched it. Her mind flooded with images of grotesque monsters, their eyes burning with unholy fire. Her fingers clutched at her temples as the visions intensified, searing themselves into her consciousness. The following days were a feverish blur. Amber's writing flourished as her stories took on a life of their own, drawing from the horrors she had glimpsed. Her once tepid tales transformed into vivid nightmares, evoking primal fear in her readers. But as her success grew, so did the malevolent presence that seemed to have taken up resonance in her mind. She became restless, haunted by the sense that she was never truly alone. Shadows danced in her peripheral vision, and whispers slithered through her dreams. The creatures she conjured in her stories began to materialize, fleeting glimpses of their twisted forms appearing in the corners of her vision, only to vanish when she turned to face them. One night, as she sat hunched over her desk, scribbling furiously, a gnarled hand materialized from the inkwell, its twisted fingers curling around the edge. Amber's breath caught in her throat as she watched in horror, unable to tear her gaze away. The hand slowly rose, dragging with it a grotesque, emaciated figure clad in tattered rags, its eyes blazing with an insatiable hunger. "'Thank you for releasing us,' it hissed, its voice a cacophony of whispers. "'Now it's time to play.' Amber's scream tore through the stillness of the night, her desk lamp flickering as the room filled with a putrid stench. The shadows writhed and coalesced, taking on the forms of her most twisted creations, their eyes fixed on her with an insatiable hunger. The pendant lay on the floor, its glow pulsating with a sinister intensity as the monsters of her imagination claimed their newfound freedom. Amber's home became a den of horrors. The creatures she had conjured now unleashed upon her with a ferocious appetite. They slithered through the cracks, lurked in the shadows, and whispered in the dead of night, their eerie chorus echoing in her mind. Sleep became a rare luxury. As each time she closed her eyes, the nightmares bled into reality, and the line between the two became increasingly blurred. The townsfolk began to notice the changes in Amber. Her once vibrant energy had waned, replaced by a haunted look in her eyes and a nervous twitch in her movements. Gossip spread like wildfire, fueled by stories of strange occurrences and sightings of grotesque figures skulking in the night drawn to Amber's dark aura like moths to a flame. Desperation clawed at her soul as she realized the dire consequences of her impulsive theft. She sought solace in the bottom of bottles, and in the temporary respite that the drugs provided. But even in her numbed state, the monsters persisted, their presence an unyielding reminder of her seemingly irreversible mistake. One stormy night, as the wind howled outside her fragile sanctuary, a shrill knock rattled her door. 
With a pounding heart, she peered through the peephole to find the visage of the old shopkeeper, his eyes gleaming with an unsettling fervor. His voice pierced through the barrier, muffled but unmistakable. You cannot escape what you've unleashed, my dear. Embrace it. All Hallows' Eve approaches. There isn't much time. Amber recoiled, her breath catching in her throat. She stumbled backward, the room spinning around her, the shadows contorting into ghastly shapes that seemed to mock her terror. A deafening chorus of voices surged through her mind, urging her to surrender to the darkness that had now become her only companion. In a frenzied haze, she snatched the pendant from the floor, its surface burning against her palm. The creatures slithered closer, their twisted forms merging with the night as they closed in on her, their hungry eyes fixed upon the cursed artifact. With a desperate resolve, Amber stumbled to her feet, clutching the pendant tightly. She raced through the house, the whispers of the creatures growing louder with each passing step. The walls seemed to convulse around her, the very foundation of her reality crumbling beneath the weight of her sins. She reached the attic, the last bastion of safety in her crumbling world, and slammed the door shut. My, my thought to go last is always going to be the attic. Yeah. Well, if nothing else, you might as well get... See, this is what bothers me about, like, in horror movies when people run upstairs. Yeah. It's such a bad idea. Yeah, wrong way. Exactly. There are only dead ends up there. And she's putting herself in an attic, which there's no way for her to get out of there. It's true. And these are fucking half-imaginary shadow monsters. You think they're going to get stopped by the attic door? At least she's going to have a bunch of cool shit to write about once this is said and over. It's true. That writer's block, no more. Also, we've talked a lot about how ChatGPT likes to do this thing where it just tells you something like it's something you should have known the whole time. yeah. You know? And now we have, like, the attic being characterized as this like last bastion of yeah. safety and it's like why like everybody should know you know the attic that's that's the last yeah yeah exactly the echoes of her manic laughter bounced off the walls so she's just fucking running running up there laughing maniacally <laughs> the whole way up to the attic <laughs> she's going nuts we're, we're losing amber here poor girl getting swallowed up by her own tulpas In the confined space, she huddled in the corner, her breaths ragged and shallow, her fingers clenched around the pendant, its malevolent energy pulsating in tandem with her frantic heartbeat. The creatures clawed at the door, their voices a cacophony of demands and promises, their forms contorting and twisting as they sought entry into her final refuge. As the first splinter of wood gave way, Amber closed her eyes, surrendering to the darkness that enveloped her. A haunting silence descended, broken only by the echoes of her screams and the perverse laughter that now mingled with the voices of the creatures she had unwittingly unleashed. Time lost its meaning within the confines of the attic, where the boundary between reality and nightmare had dissolved entirely into a maddening haze. Amber's mind became a fractured kaleidoscope of memories and delusions each one a haunting echo of her past sins and the abominations she had birthed into existence. I love any time kaleidoscopes are referenced. Yeah. I, mean, I use just, the adjective. Yeah, it's a cool, it's I, a cool way to put it. Yeah. I, I use the adjective kaleidoscopic a lot. Right. Probably more than I should. I mean. I like it a lot. It's cool like imagery, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
In the corner, she clutched the pendant, its pulsating energy now fused with her own, an inseparable union of darkness and despair. The creatures prowled outside the door, their whispers seeping through the cracks, lacing her thoughts with promises of eternal torment and boundless creativity in the infernal realms they sought to drag her into. As the attic door buckled under the relentless assault, Amber's gaze settled on the lone window, its cracked glass filtering the faint light of the moon. With a surge of willpower she didn't know she possessed, she hurled the pendant toward the glass, shattering it into a thousand glimmering shards that scattered into the night. A blinding explosion of energy erupted, engulfing the creatures in a maelstrom of searing light and sound. Their unearthly cries merged with the violent storm outside, their forms dissipating into the howling winds that carried them back to the depths from which they had emerged. Also, we're just supposed to know already know that it's storming outside. I mean, yeah. That hadn't been mentioned Anytime a anything time. like this is going on, it's storming. You're supposed to know that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I had already guessed. Well, you are ahead of the curve here. <laughs> Amber collapsed to the floor, her breaths ragged, and her body trembling with exhaustion. The attic was still, save for a distant rumble of thunder and the pitter-patter of rain against the fractured window. She was alone, the weight of her actions pressing down upon her like a suffocating shroud. In the days that followed, the townsfolk spoke in hushed tones of the strange occurrences that had ceased as abruptly as they had begun. Amber retreated from the public eye, her once fervent desire for inspiration replaced by a paralyzing fear of her own imagination. That's fucking tragic. Yeah. This might be the saddest end. <laughs> Honestly, she went too far and now she's like afraid of her own imagination. That's terrible. That's terrible. Dude. I mean, you know, at least she's going to have some cool stuff to write about. Small town Maine horror author. She could have been the next Stephen King we're talking about she could, here. She could have. Haunted by the memories of the creatures she had birthed, she sought solace in the confines of her now desolate home the walls closing in on her with every passing day. Her writing desk lay abandoned, the pages of her unfinished manuscript collecting dust. The pendant remained shattered, its fragments scattered across the attic floor, a mere echo of the malevolence it had once contained. I thought it went out the window. Apparently not. Was that just the, it broke the window, but it stayed inside? I assume. Okay. Because I was thinking before, like, all this bitch had to do is throw it out the window. Like, <laughs> I don't that think was it's that easy, though. Breaking. There's no way. It, it shouldn't be, right? It shouldn't be. Amber knew that her fate was forever entwined with the darkness she had sought to control. A reminder that some stories were never meant to be written. Some dreams never meant to be realized. As the years passed, the people of Ravensbrook would occasionally catch a glimpse of a solitary figure wandering the overgrown grounds of Amber's derelict estate her eyes vacant and haunted, a mere shell of the vibrant storyteller she had once been. They whispered of the curse that had befallen her, of the demons she had failed to contain, and of the madness that had consumed her soul. But in the silence of her solitude, Amber knew that some stories were better left untold, that some nightmares were better left undisturbed. And as the shadows danced across the decaying walls of her sanctuary, she found solace in the knowledge that in the end, the darkness always finds its own nice actually i'm okay it's not with bad. The end of this that is one. probably yeah it's probably one of your your, your better ones yeah i think so too because <laughs> sometimes it's just like huh okay yeah and this one actually had a solid ending yeah I, and I you was, didn't have to fake it at the end i no I and didn't. <laughs> that killed everybody or whatever yeah the- exactly <laughs>
Uh, yeah, I, nice. I like the way that one yeah. turned out. That was solid. I mean, that like it's it's all very like psychological because she's dealing with her own shit, right? But yeah, yeah, I like yeah. it. I like that it's it's not a happy ending, right? Right. But it's which is hard to like, not have, like in these yes, types of stories. It is because like we think a horror story that ends badly means everyone's dead, right? That's our go-to. Right, just because like, we can't ever have that. Yeah. But in this story, the old Amber is dead, right? Yeah, I, that's the, true. Like, yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's a psychological death she went through. Yeah. It just leaves the shell of her behind. Yeah, I like, I yeah, like the end. me too. Me too. This is a decent one. Like I said, I mean, I think this is probably in your top, at least out of our Halloween episodes. Oh yeah, I think it was the best Halloween one I got. Um, Solid. I like also that it's a small story. It's about one woman and the right. like and her her battle against her own demons. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing we've we've talked about is you know dealing. Some of these are just so like grandiose, right, all over the place, yeah. and there just tries to bring in way too much to uh, to them, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I like that this one was smaller. Agreed. Um, because I like to think that Ravenbrook is just full of crazy shit going on pretty much all the time, but not all of it is, like, going to destroy the whole town. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I want to hear more, like, small personal stories of residents. Right. Yeah. I like it. I like the whole Ravenbrook idea. I want to keep going with this with the Friday Night Frights. Yeah. Just keep keep building on the lore of this town in this area yeah it's been it's been a fun it's been a fun month with these and yeah it's been I'm a really fun to, month i'm stoked to build off of this ravenbrook idea i think it's gonna be really cool yeah me too so we'll see we'll see what happens and you listeners you get to be a part of this journey yeah so pat yourselves you on any, the back um... <laughs> and then go ahead <laughs> <laughs> if you have any um any like horror story prompts if you have any cool ideas for what we should do with Ravenbrook ideas for what could happen ideas about its history. Send them to us, man. DM on yeah. DM on the socials or send, send us a drop us a line yeah. at a, again at contact at campfire podcast network.com. Yeah. Or uh, send it on in. I mean, honestly, that's the best place because we'll both get it. It won't come through a bunch of rubbish that uh, yep. you know, we, we get on social medias and stuff like that. So contact at campfirepodcastnetwork.com yep all right with that um you can all look forward to the halloween hellscape listener story extravaganza 2023 coming uh this tuesday on halloween and then we will be wrapped up here for spooky season oh no i know you're so sad aren't you farewell to spooky season farewell you can leave up your fucking giant skeleton until thanksgiving <laughs> all right oh, i'm will giving be. you Don't permission you yeah i'm sure just put like a big um a big crate paper hand turkey over its head <laughs> for after thanksgiving all right well there we go <laughs> all right i believe that will conclude friday night fright 19 19 not 20 but 19 19